Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Richard Lummis is on assignment this week. Today I have a fascinating interview with Dan Norris. Dan is the Director of Training at the Hope Development Services, Inc. He is a lively and energetic presenter who specializes in the science of ethical influence. He's one of the few individuals worldwide who currently holds a CMCT designation, which is a specialization in the psychology of persuasion, earned directly from Dr. Bob Cialdini, who we've talked about in a prior podcast. Dan helps organizations take the latest scientific research out of the laboratory and apply it to values-based leadership. Dan has a philosophy that focuses on employee development, and he is responsible for furthering Holt's highly successful values-based leadership program. It's a fascinating interview. I think you'll learn quite a bit. At the end of the interview, you may certainly want to check out both Dan Norris and Holt Development Services. This is Tom Fox. 12 O'Clock High is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm back solo this week for an episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. We're going to take things a little bit different today as I'm going to get to interview someone as opposed to normally I'm the one interviewed on this podcast. But you're in for a real treat because I have Dan Norris. Dan is with the Holt Development Company, which we're going to go into in a little bit more detail. He also is a very energetic and effective presenter in terms of the science of ethical influence. I found his work and how he conducts uh, his training to be something that is very much important and needed in today's world of leadership. He's one of the few individuals worldwide who currently holds the CMCT designation, which is a specialization in the psychology of persuasion, earned directly from Bob Cialdini, the leading authority on this subject, and he helps organizations take the latest scientific research out of the laboratory and into their day-to-day sales, leadership, and customer service applications. He does this in part through the Holt Development Company, and the Holt Development Company has a values-based leadership program, which they've evolved over a decade uh, within the Holt companies and other organizations that we're going to get into. He, uh, he and others in the company have used this program to help uh, both whole companies and, more uh, interestingly, a wide variety and a very disparate group of other companies. So, Dan, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, welcome and thank you. Thank you for taking time to visit with me today. Well, it's an honor to be here, Tom. I'm a big fan. Well, thank you. So uh, I guess uh, why don't you, I don't think uh, many of my listeners are going to know what the Holt Development Company is. So why don't you really kind of go through the the uh, provenance of, of that company and how it got to where it is today? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, yeah, they, the that name may not ring a bell, but uh, some of the Holt companies probably do. Um, the the Holt family are are the direct descendants of Ben Holt, Benjamin Holt who is the inventor of the Caterpillar Tractide Tractor. So when you see any of those large construction pieces of equipment, 
equipment uh, around. Uh, our company is one of the few that can actually draw direct descendants of that. So when I uh, started here at Holt almost 20 years ago, it was uh, Peter M. Holt, uh, who is the uh, grandson. And now his children, uh, you know, who are no longer children, incredible people, Peter John and, and Corinna Holt-Richter, uh, are in the business. And uh, they're carrying forward a process of leadership that uh, has been transformational for a lot of organizations, including some that uh, are probably a little bit more popular, like the San Antonio Spurs. Well, we're certainly going to get into that. Uh, I guess that would just lead directly into the next point. Uh, you have a, a leadership training program that you and others have developed at Holt, but you actually train other companies and you train other leaders and you train other organizations. Can you tell us about that part of the business of Holt Development Company? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, that you've talked about in some of your podcasts are always, you know, around the compliance piece. How do we make sure we're doing the ethical thing? And uh, one of the, you know, that's that's so critical. But another uh, key component of that is how do we make sure we're getting people to be committed to making those choices. So in 1988, um, one of the things that happened in our company is that we grew incredibly fast. So I imagine some of your listeners can really you know, connect to this, where we went from this small uh, South Texas dealer to having dealerships in Louisiana, Oklahoma, uh, Canada, um, and, and one of, Ohio is another one. And one of the things that happens when you expand very quickly is your culture changes. You know, there's, there's a different culture at each different branch. And many times, if you walk down the hallway, the culture is different. And while we had incredible people, um, the Holt family has always had a, a reputation of, um, uh, and legacy of, of managing business ethically. Um, one of the things that we didn't have were tools. And so when Peter Holt, um, you know, became the uh, the 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 CEO. Um, one of the things he found is there was a lot of turnover. There was a lot of conflict in the organization. You know, people weren't always making the right choice. And you know, he did what most managers will do, which was get data and prove to people that they weren't doing the right thing and uh, ask him to change. Well. We were very fortunate to come across uh, Dr. Michael O'Connor, um, who connected us with Dr. Ken Blanchard, uh, the author of The One Minute Manager um, and uh, the Situational Leadership Model with uh, Hersey. And he came out and did some interviews uh, because Peter was really concerned that people weren't showing up the right way. And Ken, after interviewing a lot of the employees, came back to Peter with one key question uh, that, that, that changed his life. And the question was, is it them or is it you? And so he struggled with that. You know, you know what, 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 what Ken was saying is the way he was showing up as a leader or influencing some of the behavior he wanted to change in the organization. And that moment started for us uh, what we call our values-based leadership process. And so you see companies that have vision, mission, and values on the walls. Uh, but how do you transfer that into direct behavior? How do you get the person in the C-suite to demonstrate the same behaviors that you expect somebody on the front line or in the sales organization or in the shop to demonstrate? And so the tools and processes that we developed in partnership with some of the great tools out there like uh, Dr. Ken Blanchard's uh, situational leadership model, uh, partnering with individuals like Dr. Robert Cialdini on their ethical influence models, helped us really um, you know, transform our organization. And so at the uh, I mean, for example, at the time I came in, we were about 150 million. Uh, right now, we're we're over 1.6 billion. 
you know, in annual uh, um, um, sales. And so, people came to us to find out, well, what's going on? Your turnover is low. Your employees are happy. You know, your customers are happy. What's going on? And that's how Holt development started. So, we had so many organizations asking us about how did you how did you transform your organization to do that? How did you get people to want to ethically, uh, you know, consider their actions and uh, show up differently? And so our group is tasked with internally helping to develop, promote, and protect our values-based leadership culture, but also taking it to other leading organizations across the country and doing the same thing. That You know, that's fascinating. I have a um, lot of familiarity with 12-step programs. And in 12-step programs, the first question is, what was your part in it? And that seems to me to be the question uh, uh, that was originally posed. Uh, what was your part in this? And you really were able to take everything that f- flowed from that uh, singular and opening question. What was your part in it? And it didn't stop with simply the CEO of the company. It took those concepts and cascaded it all the way down through the organization. Did I get that right? You got that right. As a matter of fact, to this day, um, you know, we'll have organizations that will approach us and say, you know, we want our people to do what you do. And we always start with the the CEO or the owner uh, and their core leadership team, because if they don't want to work on their behaviors, there's no way anybody else is. And a lot of times when we think about, um, you know, changing ethical behaviors in an organization, we think about it as education. Well, I just have to educate them. You know, but if you know about the science of how people make their decisions, that's actually a really poor strategy. You know, I mean, for example, if you grab anyone, you know, within a mile radius of wherever you are listening to this podcast and you ask them this question, hey, what do you need to do to lose weight? They'll tell you the same things. It's diet and exercise. But here in the country, we have an obesity epidemic. The issue isn't the knowledge itself. It's about influencing people to have private inner changes to where they show up differently. They make different choices. You reprioritize the values that they have. You know, because, uh, you know, sometimes that's where some of the worst decisions organizations uh, make is because they haven't had those conversations. And if I look up into the CEO ranks or some of the senior leaders and they're not demonstrating the behaviors that they're asking me to demonstrate, you can bet it's not going to happen. So let me follow uh, follow with a couple of questions on the diet model. Um, I, it was certainly a revelation to me to learn that diet and exercise uh, could cause you to lose weight. So perhaps I didn't have that education. But <laughs> who knew? But assuming who knew? That, who knew? Assuming there were others who knew that uh, and actually can implement that, how do you? How does the model? help people sustain that initial execution. If that execution is based on enthusiasm, it's based on kind of an opening event or something that grabs their attention and they say, yes, I'm going to do this. How do you continue that and sustain that behavior? Well, that's a great question. And uh, one of the one of the core tools, well, there's there's two core things that, that we do with that. The first one is making sure you've clarified what your vision, mission, and values are. You know, whether you like it or not, your organization has a culture. It just might not be defined. And so one of the first things we do with an organization is to find out what do they value? Who do they want to be? What do they want to be known for? 
And, uh, you know, it's really clarifying that because that should be your goal. You know, it's you'd love it to be a destination, but it isn't. It's always a journey. And how do I get there? If this is what a good job looks like, how do I get there? And and so that's a powerful piece. But what's really helped us in in, in transforming the behavior are tools like Dr. Robert Cialdini's uh, Principles of Persuasion. And so years ago, um, I had come across his book in a uh, used bookstore, and it, and it just floored me. I mean, his work is just so pivotal, you know, because a lot of the things that I believed were influential weren't. And um, so most people don't realize there's an entire field of research out there on how people are influenced to change, you know. And, and if you know that, especially with an ethical mindset, you can influence people to show up very differently than they otherwise would have, even when it's in, uh, you know, it, in, even, even in things that they may not want to do, like lose weight, exercise. And so, one of the key uh, principles that um, Dr. Cialdini teaches is, is a principle called consistency. And, and what we mean by consistency isn't being consistent. What it is is that anytime an individual goes on the record, tells you what they think, feel, or believe, they are enormously uh, influenced to be, you know, consistent with that. And so whether it's weight loss, whether it's showing up on time, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, pick your behavior. One of the things that we do that moves away from that educational model to an influence model is instead of telling the people what they need to do is we ask them questions to get them to tell us. You see, if I say it, you can doubt me. But if I influence you to say it, it's true. So, for example, if somebody comes in and says, uh, you know, hey, I want to lose weight, well, we can say, well, here's how you do it. Well, that may or may not work. Usually not. You know, think about all the people at the uh, start of the year who make their, uh, uh, you know, or, you know, year, uh, New Year's resolutions about what they're going to do that last only a couple of days. Well, one of the things that, that we would do is to say, well, why is this goal important to you? You know, and what would you stand to lose if you didn't change? And what would be some of the impacts you would expect to experience? You know, and, and compared to what you've already done, what are some new things that you're willing to do? So the person that you're working with isn't just sitting back and passively listening. They're making voluntary, active, and public statements about how they're going to change their behavior. And if you look at the research, it's incredibly surprising, you know, how, how profound it could be. Like, would you mind if I shared a study with you? Absolutely not. Please do so. So they did, uh, you know, there was, there's a famous study that uh, just, just really, uh, you know, uh, surprised me. I just thought it was so interesting uh, that they did it at a racetrack in Vancouver uh, many years ago. And so they would ask people who were waiting in line to place a bet. And they would say, what's the likelihood your horse is going to come in first? And people would give these non-committed uh, committal answers. So, I hope it comes in first. Well, the odds say it's, you know, 50-50 uh, or, hey, we're just getting away from the kids tonight. Uh, you know, and so they were, they were very non-committal. But then researchers would wait till they walked over to the, uh, uh, you know, the cashier and they would put their money down. The cashier would take the money and then give them a ticket for their horse. And then they would ask these consumers the same question. What's the likelihood your horse is going to come in first? And as soon as they asked that, they changed from these passive commitments to being convinced they were going to win. Our horse is going to come in first. We're going to redo the kitchen when we get our winnings. 
You know, and so they, in that mere moment, by making a, a commitment, by putting their money down, it psychologically changed how they showed up. And so our job as leaders in an organization isn't to tell people to be ethical. It's to ask them questions that get them to tell us why values are important and how they would show up in a situation if someone presented them with something that was unethical or how they could make their decision if they were uncertain. So let me uh, turn now to, uh, I assume, or I would assume one of your at least more high-profile clients, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. And let me preface this question with, when you hear about the Spurs organization, it's usually in the context of one of the most well-run organizations in sports. Uh, but that does not mean it's the most profitable. Uh, that does not mean that it has had the most success, although it's had great success. Uh, but I think of uh, players literally every year say, I want to go play for the Spurs. And that could be the coach, that could be a variety of reasons. But when I think about what I hear about the Spurs on the sports page or from sports reporters and uh, now understand the leadership process that you take them through, uh, I begin to see really the holistic nature of what you all are talking about. But I was wondering if you could explain how these concepts would even work with a sporting organization. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it, and it was interesting because uh, when I first came on board was around the time that uh, uh, Peter Emholt had uh, purchased the Spurs, become the more majority owner. And at the time, um, it, it was all by happenstance. Uh, you know, Peter and a number of other leaders in the area were trying to keep the Spurs here. And uh, so one of the only ways to do that, they had some of the other uh, owners that said, look, if, if, uh, um, if, if Peter, if you're this, you know, if, if you take the leadership role here, we'll keep the Spurs here, you know, we'll support you. And so he agreed with one stipulation. And that stipulation was, is we're going to lead by values-based leadership. We're going to use these tools. And so, uh, matter of fact, uh, there's, uh, you know, one of my ethical heroes is Linda K. Trevino. You know, she's written the uh, book Managing Be Business Ethics, Straight Talk on How to Do It Right. And in her book, you know, she, she writes about it right when I came on board, which was, you know, the, the Holt Companies has purchased this basketball team. And it remains to be seen how a company, um, you know, that, that measures its success by wins and losses will benefit or adapt to, you know, a, a ethically uh, focused, values-based, you know, focused, uh, um, you know, approach. And so, you know, looking back now, we've had, you know, five championships out of those years. We've been in the playoffs the last 20 years, but in the top, you know, uh, two or three teams every year and, you know, the ESPN rankings and, and on and on. And so, well, for what uh, my group did, we worked mainly with, uh, you know, some of the, 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 the leaders there in the back office, but they brought in people like, uh, you know, Greg Popovich and, uh, you know, folks like that who had the same vision of we're, you know, we're not going to have many different views. It's this is who we are. This is how we're going to behave. And it's less about the individual and it's about the work. It's about the values and how we're going to get there. And so if you've watched the Spurs for years, they purposefully try to find people who aren't just amazing players, but they want to find people who have the same beliefs 
you know, that have that team perspective, that aren't going to be the the hot dogger. You know, they want to find people who are are committed to developing those around them. And and that's just been non-negotiable, you know. And uh, so, so if you can find people, and Popovich will tell you this, you know, if you can find people that share your value, that's that's a that's a significant, uh, you know, uh, obstacle you've already overcome. And so, if you ever come over to the AT and T Center and tour, uh, you know, the locker room, uh, you know, like like other teams, uh, uh, we have several international players. And there is a quote from an uh, uh, an economist that's in every language down there. And it's about uh, uh, this metaphor that they call pounding the rock. And so what that literally means is it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not the first strike that breaks the rock. And it's not the 50th or the 99th it's, it, it, or the 100th when it finally cracks. It's all of them that came before. And they have that in every language to make sure it's accessible to everyone there. So they're clear on what those behaviors are, you know. And so when, uh, when, when you know, we were developing that group, and part of our values-based leadership approach is to develop those organizations so they don't need us. So right now, they've got an outstanding uh, developmental group over at Spurs Sports and Entertainment who does this now um, is is to build those same behaviors. You know, what are the tools that they use when conflict comes up? How will they adjust their leadership style? You know, so if it, whether it's Popovich or uh, you know it's somebody who's who's working with uh, concessions or ticket sales or whatever else, how do they ensure that they're giving people only the leadership they need, no more, no less? And if you can focus on those core tools, you can be incredibly successful. So whether it's basketball, because we didn't know anything about basketball, or tractors, you know, or, or anything else, you want to get down to those vital few human behaviors that really make a difference. Well, Dan, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating discussion. I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted to find out more information about the Holt Development Company, uh, how could they do so? Uh, so one of the, the best ways is to uh, Google us at uh, www.holtdevelopment.com to some of our events. Uh, you'll, you'll see us uh, uh, do some consulting here and there. So, But uh, you're more than welcome to look us up there. And if there's any questions we can ever answer for anyone, please look us up. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.